Yes, what's happening, people? Welcome back to another episode of Hustle Smart. Welcome back, welcome back. And yeah, quickly before we start, I just want to say a big shout out to my guy Gids World for the new instrumental. I know you guys can hear that. You know, we're leveling up, so big shout out to Gids for that as well. Big shout out, big shout out. But today we've got a very special guest. we got Olamide Elizabeth in the room. Woo! Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself to your viewers, our listeners? Tell us a bit about you. Um, okay, cool. So, hi everyone. My name's Lamade. Um, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube as Lamade Elizabeth. Um, and I would say, okay, primarily I'm a banker. Um, and I also do YouTube as well. It's been like a year now. Um, I do my YouTube basically based on things that I'm interested. So it started off primarily on banking because I had I would get a lot of questions on how I got into the firm that I was in, et cetera. Um, but it's kind of moved now into more like personal development, personal finance, as well as banking. Um, I guess a lot of it stemmed from, I just bought my first property like um, a month ago. Amazing. A month ago today. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so kind of moving it in that direction as well. Um, and yeah, I do other stuff. I like run a small business as well, kind of related to what I do online. Um, and introducing myself, I guess, other like, titles that I've had or whatever um 2019 I was EY corporate finance woman of the year and then also that year as well I was also um rated one of the UK's top 10 black students alongside your sister as well oh amazing yeah Shout out my sister. <laughs> so yeah I think that's a brief intro yeah hard so um what's the, what's the first question I'll start with um I guess yeah the, no, my first my first question to you is um why did you why did you start YouTube? Why did I start YouTube? Yeah. Um oof. there are so many reasons to why I started YouTube, like mm-hmm. loads. I think in general, I remember one time, so obviously I've been always knowing that I was gonna start, I knew that I was gonna start off in corporate. Um and I wanted to get into banking. Banking pays really, really well. I've always been, I wouldn't say money motivated, but like mm. coming from where I've come from, like I've always known that I don't want to struggle with money. So mm. I always knew I wanted to get into banking. And I remember like average starting salaries for like the sort of roles that I'm in are like 50K. And so I was like, oh yeah, like this is, this is going to be life. This is going to be it. Mm. And I was watching one YouTuber and she did like, she was doing like, she does like hair stuff. And she must've been saying, oh, she was setting her goals for the month. And she was like, oh, this month I want to make 50K. I was like, 50K this month. Like that's what, yeah. that's what I'm looking to mm. make in for my whole year. You're telling mm. me that you can make that in a month. And I kind of realized that like, right, this game is actually rigged. Like everyone tells you get into so education, <laughs> get so into rigged, education. Like that's where all the money is. Mm. And then you just see, you know, like I think things are changing. It's good as well, but social media, is, is really powerful so I knew like from then that yeah I need to tap into this market somehow mm-hmm. um and I think what really like kind of took me over the edges I always I've always enjoyed sharing like what I'm doing what I'm getting up to like I just I just I just love it I just mm. enjoy it and teaching or just sharing with people how I've done what I've been able to do yeah. um so I started off on LinkedIn actually I was posting blog posts on like banking and stuff and then I was like this is too restricted and also with LinkedIn as well like, or if, even if you do blogs, people can't, it's not as easy for people to find you. So the only people who read your blogs are the people who are already connected. Whereas mm. with YouTube, loads of different people could come across you. Yeah. So that's kind of, kind of how I um, transitioned into YouTube. And yeah, I just really, it's really nice. I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, obviously you said you've always been kind of money motivated, but was that your primary reason as to why you got into banking? Oh. And also, what do you do in banking for those that don't mm. really know? Cool. So um, for me, I'm a credit risk banker. So what does that what does that mean? For the <laughs> listeners? Yeah. So like, I guess like 
Banking is, especially investment banking, it's kind of difficult to explain because I think there's so many misconceptions about it. For example, like everyone knows, like for example, we were talking about industry. So industry yeah. is an investment banking series, but actually most of the people that was in that series, none of them, except from that one black guy, none of them were actually investment bankers. They were just bankers. They did sales and trading. That's not actually investment banking. So the investment banking side is where you typically see people doing M&As and IPOs. And with that, you have a deal team. Um, and you have your legal team, you have the actual M&A investment bankings, and then you also have other teams. So I'm on the credit risk team. And so what that basically means is if, you know, um, the IB team go out and get this client that says they want to, we want to take on like, I don't know, 1 million for this client, we're going to go, wait, hold on, we need to assess the client first, just like how you'd go to a bank for a loan, and they're going to do a credit check on you. Mm -hmm. That's what we do, but for institutions and loans, and then if it is more risky, we have to like structure things so that it makes sense for us because yeah. depending on how risky the bank is or the institution or the corporation is that you lend to, we also have to hold money against that in case it defaults. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what it is. Um, so that's credit risk uh, um, in general. And why I went into banking, the other question. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of like a similar story for, for most people, but I would say that I kind of chose to go into banking like over and over again, because there were so many points where I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. Then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do mm. it again. So I think first first of all, obviously, when you, when you start off, you're in school, you do well, blah, blah, blah. There's only, you feel like there's only a few number of careers that you can go down. I knew it wasn't going to be anything hospital related. My mom was a nurse and I hated going to visit her in the hospital. So that was canceled. So I thought, okay, cool, law and banking. Um, and then I did like a little insight day at like Clifford Charles and I was like, this is way too boring. And then I ended up thinking, okay, cool, banking was what I was going to do. Um, so that's kind of how that started. Then when I got into like my first year of university, then I started to go to like insight days and stuff and you start to like hear people speak. And then when they would talk about like what they were doing in the hours, I just started to think like, I don't know if this is for me, like mm. this lifestyle <laughs> is not it. And I think one thing about me is I've always known that I've always been my happiest when I have loads of things going on. Like during year 13, I dropped everything to focus on getting into uni. When I did my gap year, I was only working. My first year of uni, I wasn't doing anything else as well. And I was like, I, I that was like my most depressing times I wasn't depressed but like I knew I wasn't happy during those periods because I was just focused on one thing like that's just not me I love getting my, my foot into different things yeah. so I was like cool I need I can't like go into a division where you're working 9 to 4 a.m that's not going to work including Saturdays and Sundays like I'm not I know I'm not going to be happy mm. um so then I was kind of like oh I don't know what I was going to do then um I think at that point I was reassessing whether I'm going to go into banking or not but then what swayed me to stay in was the fact that um, there are other divisions. There are other divisions that aren't like the scary stuff that you read online. Like it's a it's a big place. Mm. Um, so that's when I kind of decided to go into credit risk. But then during my internship, it was like, that was like one of the most mentally challenging times. That was difficult. And after that, I was like, I don't know if I want to, to do it. Whilst I was there though, I was like, I'm going to get the offer, like the return offer to, to get the grad job. Because I think someone said to me like, be in a position where you make the choice at the end of the day. Even mm -hmm. if you want to stay, you want to go, make sure you get the offer so you can make that choice. So I, I was blinkers on and I was like, those 10 weeks, I did everything I could to make sure that I got the offer. But then I think <laughs> after that, I was like, okay, I'm not coming back. Um, I was, I pretty much made up my mind I wasn't going to do banking. And then I didn't really know what else to do. Like, mm. to be honest, I was like, I didn't really know what else to do. And then someone must have told me, like, write down what it is that you want from a job, rank them, and then all the other roles that you have in your mind 
rank it for each factor. So for example, work-life balance, money, um, interest, and then the roles that you want, and then like what comes out on top. And so when it came to money, anything in banking, even if you're doing HR, like you're going to be very well paid. So I thought, okay, cool. I do want to stay in bank. And it's not just like money for the sake of having money. I had goals. Like I knew I wanted to buy my first property. I need money to do that. Like Mm. there's, there's, you need money to buy a property. So I knew money was important to me. And then I knew I wanted the work-life balance. And I thought, okay, cool. Like I could find a division that allows me to do that. Um, And when I was, when I told them I wasn't going to come, like they got a lot of people to speak to me to kind of sway me to like, okay, cool. Like it's not going to be like that. That was the internship, like blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, so I guess when I kind of weighed up everything that I wanted, um, I thought, okay, cool, banking is is going to be the way forward. So yeah, I kind of chose it multiple times over again, but mm. yeah, I really like it though. I find now. that's a, I find that with a lot of people that work within finance o- overall, it's a classic thing. Like you fall in love with it, you fall out of love with it, <laughs> yeah. then you fall back in love with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I can definitely relate to that. Um, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned your gap year and also spring weeks. Um, now, if I cast my mind back to uni, mm. I found out about spring weeks very late, like second year of uni. Mm. So how was how did you how was you introduced to introduce to those schemes? Cause I know like not people, not a lot of young people even know like those things are, are even out there. Mm. Yeah, and is that the best route into getting a grad role as well? Would you say? Mm. I think for me, um, when I want to go, when I want to do something, I will find everyone that is in that place and I will mm-hmm. chat to them. So. From time I knew in year 12 that I wanted to go into, into banking, I was already speaking to people who were like first year in the bank and stuff like that. So I already knew before coming to university, I knew the route that I, I had to go down. Yeah. So for me, because I knew what I wanted to do, I knew the steps that I needed to take to put myself in the best position. Um, so that's how that kind of happened. Um, and I would say it is the easiest path to go down because if you get into a spring week and you convert that to a summer internship and convert that to a grad role, like you know you don't you don't you don't have to apply over and over again if you can just follow that process mm. so yeah how hard is how hard is is that process like um you know like the just like, let's say the interview process for for a spring week um to be fair i didn't actually get any investment banking offers in my in my first year so mm-hmm. there you go it's not easy yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's definitely not easy and i think that there's just so much that goes that goes into it. When you apply, especially like you think, oh yeah, I've done well in school. I go to a good university. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get in, and nah, like yeah. It's, yeah. it's really not that at all at all. Especially with springs where people apply to multiple different places. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I, I don't want to say it's easy, but obviously when you do something, you always like it feels easy to you because you're already there. You've yeah. done it. Like why can't you do it? I did it kind of thing. Yeah. But like yeah. in reality, I know when I was going through it, it was it was quite difficult. Um, there are some places where you can like amend it to your, your your strength. For example, a lot of them you have to do like numerical tests. I hate numerical tests. Like I really don't like them. Mm. But like the place that I work and another place that I really wanted to go to as well, they didn't have numerical tests. So I was yeah. thought, I'm going to put, I did three applications to that place. I'm like, I need to play to my strengths here. Yeah. But I think like, easy things that you can do to kind of make yourself stand out obviously you need the academics like mm-hmm. that's a given everyone who's applying has that but yeah. then also just being interesting as well like having mm-hmm. other interests a lot of people who want to go into finance what finance book should i read oh i'm head of the finance society oh and it's like everyone else is doing that like yeah. you're not going to be interesting because at the end of the day you need to be able to do the job if you've got the good grades you've got work experience people know you can do the job then it's like do i want you as my colleague like yeah. am i going to be able to chat to you so i would say um yeah after that it's just being an interesting person and not throwing everything into finance and you have you can't speak about anything else yeah. but finance that really helps as well yeah and like j- just just to echo that like 
if you're in an interview, no one, an interviewer is not going to want to speak about quantum physics or a specific <laughs> regulation. Do you know what I'm saying? They're going to want to know who, who, are, like, who yeah. you are outside of work. Yeah, so they'll ask you, you like, what your interests are. They'll ask you, you know, what do you want to do or like, what do you get up to? Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly, so yeah. when, when people say, you know, be yourself, like I, I push that a lot because that is something that is definitely important. Mm. Like, and, and just to um, add a bit more context to it, right? Um, so the company that I recently just joined, bro, like, I had an interview with one of the Donnie's just a discussion, yeah. Um, he was like, yeah, just tell me about yourself. Like, who are you? I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> do you mean who am I? He's like, I talk, he's like, talk to me. So it's like, okay, now, you know, he's assessing am I the right fit for, for the culture. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? My personality fit. So, like, be yourself, man. What did you yeah. say? Huh? I told him. I told him everything. Well, told him about, about the podcast. Told him about the, oh, they they found the pod to be fair. Oh, they found yeah, it. They found it. Oh, wow. Yeah. They liked it though. Oh, yeah, yeah they good. liked it's it. It's a good yeah. look, isn't yeah. it? So I was, t- told him about the pod. Like, just told him like my hobbies, gym, chilling out with friends, going out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's me. Who that's who I am. Yeah. So it's just like if you're gonna ask you about about my weekend. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get the realness. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, um, sure. So it's interesting. So now my next question is. How do you find working in finance as a black as a black woman, and as as a young black woman actually like that? Ah, uh, yeah. Typically, I, I I stay away from this topic because I feel like I'm just gonna caveat it by saying mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you see a black person and they speak about their experience in a particular institution, people yeah. think that because that person has had that experience, everyone else is going to have that experience. And like, that's not true. Like, I'm going to speak about my experience mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, but mm-hmm. there may be people who have a completely different experience to what I've had because like the bank is big, like yeah. investment banking is big, corporate is big, finance is big. Um, But yeah, okay, cool. Where should I start? So I think... <sighs> If I take it back to like right now, mm-hmm. my division is quite good because the head of the division is a woman. The the step below that is a woman co-chairing it with a man. My manager is a woman. My manager's manager is a woman. Mm-hmm. So right now, like it, when it comes to gender, what's it called? Gender, gender equality, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I definitely do see that in my division. Um, and then I would say ethnic ethnicity wise as well, in my team, there's I'm the only black person, which I, I, I'm kind of used to, but mm-hmm. I'm the only black person. But then there's two Irish people, two Asian people, um, two like English people, two Europeans. So I don't feel like on a day in day out basis, especially when you're working from home, where the only people that I'm really seeing is Zoom. I don't feel like there's an issue. And I'm so happy because I don't have to go to work every day thinking I'm a black woman, I'm a black woman. I just mm-hmm. go to work as myself and I can just be myself. I'm not conscious about who I am. Mm-hmm. When I was doing the internship though, and I'm in the office and you can see a wide range of people, mm-hmm. I definitely noticed that there wasn't, the gender was not an issue again, but like in terms of, um, other Ethnicity. ethnicities there was there wasn't as many black people so for example there was this program that they did where all the black interns got like a, a mentor in their division everyone else had a black mentor I had a, a, a white woman and she was lovely and yeah. I really did love her but yeah. it was just that you can tell like there's an issue when you can't even find a black person to, to mentor me yeah, through this process yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is a program literally called black xxx so mm. you can tell that, that there is an issue there I think at the analyst level and it always kind of is there's a lot more diversity i think the issue with retaining black people in finance is when you start getting more senior even with women as well as you start getting more senior that's when you start to see like the disparities but as an analyst i don't really i don't i don't don't really have any like issues Mm. um with that when i do like when i have 
calls with other divisions and stuff and it's more senior people then you do see just white male but in general there's not really an issue I think that one thing that I would want to say is if you are a black person or black woman going to finance like and it's in you're going into a white white man dominated world like the game is the game like you have to play the game if you go in there thinking oh my god I'm black oh my god I'm black I just think it just it just doesn't help you. Like it just yeah. doesn't serve you at all because you're black. Everyone can see that you're black. Yeah. The only thing that you can do is use it to your advantage. And like for me, I'm so I, I, at the time I wasn't really thinking about it, but I during my internship particularly, like it definitely worked to my advantage because people remember you. And yeah. I I had a call like the other day with this MD who I saw during my internship. This is in 2019, but now in 2021, and he was like. He was like, oh, like, do you remember me kind of thing? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And he was saying all these things about me. And I was like, raw, how do you remember that? But then he's like, how are you not going to remember that? I was the only black person. And I think as well, like, during the internship, I was quite bold as well. So I would go to, like, to their their doors. Like, I'd get in early, knock on their door and be like, hi, can we go for a coffee kind of thing? And I think that that took a lot of them back. Like, raw, Mm -hmm. like, this you know, (laughs) this black girl is coming to me and being like, yeah, let's go for coffee. And that was something that, like, it was, people would speak about it a lot. Like, I wouldn't really know, but they would say like, oh, like some interns are very MD friendly and others aren't. And they would remember me because I was the only black person. So it kind of worked up to my advantage, to be honest. And I think that as well, like I... I'm so lucky that because I haven't been too conscious about it, every time I've gone into corporate, there's always been like, a, I think people call it sponsors or champions. I've always had like white male or female like champion and sponsors, people who just ride for me and love me. I don't know yeah. if it has anything to do because I'm black or whatever, but there are people who are just like, yeah, like we w- really want this girl to do well. Um, So it's only worked to my advantage, to be honest. I think that I am quite junior. Maybe when I get more senior and I'm start looking into climbing the ranks, I might feel a bit more like, but I haven't really had many instances. There was one instance that I had mm. um, during my internship where obviously like when you're doing an internship, everything is about converting. Like everyone wants to get the offer to return. And so everyone's always talking about like, oh, who do you think you get it? Who do you think we get it? And I was having, and this conversation was actually with the Chinese guy. And he was like, oh, do you think you're going to get it because you're black or you're the only one that's black? And I was like, I was so taken aback because like I said, I don't really think about the fact that I'm black all the time. Yeah. And I was like, raw, like, do you think you're going to get it because you're Chinese? Because like, <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to say? And he was yeah. like, no, but like, I was like, no, if, if I'm going to get it, it's because in the last two case studies that we've done, I've come top one and top in yeah. top two. So yeah. if I am going to get it, it's not maybe in addition, I'm black, but like I've done well as well. So when I have felt something it hasn't even been towards people who are more senior to me mm. um so yeah that that's that's something but i think being a black woman in finance or a black person in finance you just have to go in thinking the game is the game like use it to your advantage that's the mm. only thing you can do you can't go in crying every day like oh my god i'm the only black person make change like when they're when it's time to speak up speak up but you're going to be there for a while if you don't play the game you'll yeah. get left behind mm. so yeah, for sure yeah i agree, I agree. it's it's definitely um I think it's definitely something to be aware of um, because in my experience of, you know, speaking to friends and just Mm. colleagues and stuff, obviously, like, um, whether they're black or from a different ethnic background, it's just like, they always feel the need that they need to fit inside the box. Mm. But I'm just like, bro, you don't need to fit in no box. Like, you already stand out. So I'm saying, as as you (laughs) said, like, you you use use it to your advantage. But I also think... There's a very short window to do that. Do you know mm. what I mean? 
Um, and you just need to basically exploit it. So like even what down to what you've done, like going up to an MD's office and asking them for a coffee is 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 bold, it's very boozy. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can get in trouble. I mean, I'll tell you that time. Uh, I was working at this is one of my internships, basically. Yeah, mm. basically. Um I wanted to I wanted to have a coffee with the CEO. So I emailed him, <laughs> right? I emailed him. Um, and then my manager at the time was like, oh no, like we can't email the CEO. Yeah, you got to yeah. use the correct um, escalation channels. Where I was thinking, um, he's just a normal guy, man. Like, mm. I just want to just, just chat to him. Do you know what I mean? So then, like, obviously it didn't really work out for me. Mm. But then on my, on my placement year, something like you done, I went up to one of the directors of the division spoke to him he was like oh like, I, very, I respect what you've done yeah. you know you, you had the confidence you had the balls to come up to me like people older than you don't even do that mm. and then from doing that like once I was, I was contracting so once my contract ended um, I was able to get a contract working for him in his office oh, wow. do you know what I'm saying for over the summer mm. so like just have the balls man yeah I think that's just in life in general like, yeah I agree. you just have to put yourself out there and kind of see it's like there's only upsides you 100%. don't lose Anything, but you have like everything to gain. You know what I mean, and also you just have to have an interesting story. Like everyone's got a story, but it's just how sexy you make it sound. Like I'm in marketing, so that's yeah. what I do. Yeah, and like everyone's legit got a story to tell. Yeah, and who you are is always going to be interesting, but it's kind of how you shape it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And no, I agree. Like you said, they meet so many, so many people, and they don't want like bug st- standard, yeah. boring people. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. you being yourself. Because I even remember, like for example, when I was at Converse. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of stood out just, yeah, cause firstly, because I'm black, but also because I have a story to tell mm. and I have a background that they could get, they will be interested in because... But then right. it was also down to the also va- the value that you was adding yeah, because you, sure. you, was, you was providing um, insight yeah. from a complete different angle. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So then, and, and that's the thing, you can do that in, in corporate as well. Yeah, do you know what I yeah, mean? There's yeah. so many ways to kind of add value just through who you are. Do you know what I mean? For example, um, even like just... Like Capital Moments or one of our last guests mm-hmm. talking about how they started doing talks with Barclays and stuff yeah. like that because yeah. they know they're in the space now and they know there's a huge opportunity for banks to give back to yeah. ethnic minorities and stuff yeah. like that as well. So being that high agency in a sense of you kind of just do things, you execute a lot and you have a lot of initiative mm-hmm. as well will, will really put you in a good position. But like you said, kind of following the, the procedures in, in a sense where you're not getting yourself <laughs> in, in any trouble. Yeah. yeah. But I think no matter what you do, whether you're working in corporate or, or you're an on, entrepreneur, right, is have have spot an opportunity and have the balls mm-hmm. to just press the button and exploit it. Yeah, mm-hmm. And sure. being black yeah. is an opportunity in a, in a white, dom- white male-dominated industry. It yeah. is an opportunity, so... so um, what tips can you give our listeners to get into investment banking generally, but then also to get into obviously your area? Oh, um, yikes. That's a broad question. Mm. Tips to get into investment banking. Well, I do have a resource bank. My resources are on there, like my CVs, my cover letters and stuff. Mm. I teach people. Well, I don't teach people. I, sh- I share how I was able to do all that stuff because that's a big part of the mm-hmm. application process in finance. So mm-hmm. check out the resource bank, the resource bank.co.uk. Um, but in general, I think we've kind of covered it. I would say you need to have the basics of your, you know, the grades and stuff. And then I think the rest is just around strategy. One strategy in terms of making yourself as interesting as possible. Like I even tell people who are like, oh, I have nothing that's interesting about me. You better go and find something that's interesting <laughs> yeah, about you because sure. what, what else are you going to do? Yeah. So having something that's interesting about you, strategy-wise as well, in terms of just applying early because a lot of the times the, the places will be filled up and they'll just need the application 
open. People will still be applying, applying, not knowing the job has already been done. People yeah. have signed contracts and everything. So mm. I always say apply early to give yourself the best chance of being, um, getting your application reviewed. Oh, what else would I say? Um, I would say apply to a range of banks. Something that I do see as well is like, people are like, oh, I want to get into Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. So I only made two applications. There's like a 1% chance of you getting in. You need to spread your, your basket wide and apply to it as many as possible. Because mm. at the end of the day, you don't need to get to that desired place straight off of yeah. graduating. You've got like, what people have like a 30 40 year career even if mm. you have to start off somewhere that isn't where you want to be do that for five years get as much experience as possible and then navigate back into banking like you can do that so make sure you apply to a wide variety of places because yeah <laughs> the chances of getting in are, are quite slim especially if you don't have a really good application um so yeah i think that that's what i would i would say make sure you're reading up on the news and stuff like this stuff is is so like it's been quite a while now, so I don't have it fresh on my mind, but definitely check out my YouTube videos. I cover mm -hmm. this um, quite extensively over there. Yeah, and on that note, in terms of, like, reading the news and just staying up to date, um, so when I was when I was first applying um, for, for work in finance, um, BBC Business Live is very good. It's basically 20 minutes long. I think it comes on at like 8.30 mm. and it just basically gives you just a huge overview of basically what, what's happening within like within the market. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Trends and whatnot. Um, obviously, there's the Financial Times, which is good. You might have to pay for it, but I believe there are some free articles likewise yeah. with Bloomberg as well. Um, but Business business Insider is very, very good. Mm. Um, and there's something else called Finimize. Finimize, you can yeah. download it and it's just bite-sized information. Um, and the thing is, like, when you are breaking in, when you are breaking into finance, whether it's whether it's um, consulting or IB, sales and trading, you are going to need to know what the financial landscape looks like. You're going to need to know the trends, the themes and, and like, just what, what's going on. That is just a general, like, even just have a general conversation. And just a word of advice for the listeners, have an opinion mm. of, of, of what you think, of what you think about it. I remember... Oh my days! <laughs> I remember I was at um I was at have you had a power list? Yeah. So I was at one of the power list events, yeah, and um someone asked me, "Oh, what do you think of the? What's your opinion on the Trump administration and you know his activity?" I was like, um, <laughs> "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "It's rough, isn't it?" <laughs> you know what I mean. I was like, and, and that was like, it, it put a lot of things in perspective. I was like, rah. Yeah, you got to stay mm. though, I, though I know what was happening in the UK, I, should need, I need to know what's actually happening yeah. like overseas. Mm. Um, sure. So that's the word of advice. I um, think just in general as well, though, like just being clued up. Like, yeah. I remember kind of when I was doing like the day in the life talking about, for example, there's BBC Wake Up to Money, the Financial Times. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. I stopped listening to the news because I stopped watching TV mm. and I don't listen to radio while driving and stuff. Mm. But, like, don't consume your news off just social media. Do yeah. you know what I mean? You need to yeah. know what's going on in the world. And like you said, bite-sized information as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we we'll definitely kind of advise everyone just so you can even have an opinion mm -hmm. and understand what's going on in the world around you so you mm -hmm. kind of know how to maneuver around it. Uh, and, and, the re and even like as you, like, even as you go, like, go break into these industries as well, um, like your social circles, like after work drinks and stuff, you'll be having these conversations. Not yeah. all the time, but I found myself like... We're actually having these conversations, even it's even my friends as well, because my all my friends pretty much well, city boys, yeah, pretty much a lot of my friends work in finance, so we're having these discussions in the group chat and on the weekends. You know what I'm saying, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird. It's like, oh, yeah, it's 
it's like full grown, but um, yeah. So next thing, um, obviously, bought for uh, your first your first property. Congratulations! Um, so congratulations for that. Um, but I also came across one of your videos about how you was able to save such a large sum of money, mm-hmm. you know, throughout your duration. Um, so you can just explain explain that to our listeners and also provide like some tips and if there's any if there's any tools that you use as well. Okay. Well, that's quite a big question. But um ah, okay, okay. I think with fight like finance or money, it's definitely a mindset thing. I think for me, when I was growing up, um, we were good like as a family, like we were good financially for a period of time. And then there was a period of time my mom got ill and so she couldn't work for like a year. Mm. And I think out of that, like I stopped being able to ask her for money. This was like year, year nine, year 10. I felt like oh, I couldn't ask her for money anymore because like I knew what position she was in. I just wanted new trainers, but like I knew that like my mom, she can't do that right now. And she probably, and the thing is, if I would have asked her, she probably would have given it to me, but I just knew like I didn't feel comfortable doing it. You just sew on like an African like print, like a pocket or stuff like that. That's what we were doing like that's what I started off doing. That was to kind of get money for sixth form. I so, remember that trend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And I think that like, saving is like, and just finance, it's like a, it's like a muscle. So you need to keep flexing it. Cause some people are like, oh, how are you able to save? How are you able to save? Like I had a m- money mindset from very, very young because I struggled. So I had no choice to kind of have that mindset. Whereas certain other people where, you know, they're like, some of my friends when they're like you know I've never had to think about money because my parents have always covered everything they mm-hmm. didn't really think about finances too much and now they're kind of struggling whereas I went through that struggle when I was younger so I was like growing up I was like you know I need to be secure financially um and that's kind of how I've always thought about it so I think that then when it came to like actually saving first of all I did a gap year so um when I didn't get into the university that I wanted to get into, which was the London School of Economics, I basically took a gap year um, and I worked. And this was my first time like getting money. I was working in CE, doing like insurance. So then everyone was at uni. I had nothing to do. So it was very easy for me to save. Um, but then I started learning like little bits and bobs about like saving and stuff. So I saved all of that. Then I went into uni. Actually, like in my first year of uni, I got so much student loan, obviously, because I didn't come from a privileged background and yeah. I was going to uni in London and I was living out. Like, I got so much money. I, I didn't say, like, I got, like... Because my, my my uni also gave out loads of bursaries. Let's say I got, like, £12,000. I only saved, like, 2000 or so. Like, I spent, like, all of that money, <laughs> spending it on everything and mm. anything. Like, I just did not care. And I think because I had a new, I had, like, a cushion of money as well. Like, it got to, like, December of my first year and I had no money, like, because... The money that I did have was locked away in an ISA and I couldn't get it out. So then I even had to like ask my boyfriend for money at that time. Like mm. that's how <laughs> I was a bit reckless with it. I'm not going to lie. But then, then I started thinking, okay, cool. Like that was first year, you know, get that out the way. You need to start f- focusing on your finances again. And I knew that I had a goal to, to you know, buy a property. So um, I think what happened? I think everything that was like a disadvantage to me, I kind of flipped it on its head. Mm-hmm. So like going to uni in London, that's like an L to most people. They're like, what? Why would you want to go to uni in London? Yeah, like, you're still at I, home. I was just thinking, that's mad. <laughs> <laughs> you're still at home. Like, London is expensive and everything. But I thought, actually, if I go to uni in London and I live in London, I can move back home in my second and third year. Mm. That is going to save you a lot because yeah. when I was living out, rent was £200 a week. Yeah. And I was for a box 
I didn't even have an ensuite, nothing. It was 200 pounds a week. So I moved home. That was, I was able to save loads, like loads of money through that. And then obviously I was going into banking. With banking, summer internships are very, very lucrative, like minimum 10K. So mm. I was able to do that as well. Um, and then I just knew that like, you just need to pocket all of this stuff. And I, especially because I knew that I had the goal of wanting to buy property. When you have a goal, like even that that 10,000 pounds that you thought was a lot and you realize that you need to put down 25 percent deposit on a house you're like that's that, that's nothing <laughs> and then I think because of that I just kind of knew that yeah I've got a goal I want to go I want to I want to um do it so I just started saving ag- aggressively basically um yeah and I think another thing with saving as well is I think the easiest way to save is to make more money like yeah, if you're already sure. li- if you're already living Facts. on like 100%. you're like, you're already you know like <laughs> your budget is already tight and you're thinking oh I need to save let me tighten the budget a bit more like mm. it's hard man i think the easiest way is just to increase your streams of income and then you can literally allocate one income stream to saving allocate mm. one income stream to spending um so yeah that's that's kind of how i kind of thought about it and how i was able to save quite a bit that makes a lot of sense so um just quickly because i have two questions i want to touch on so what was your experience getting your first property i'm um, like did you have a strategy behind it and also, just yeah, after touching on like the income streams as well, because like you said, like you can't, you can only save a certain amount if you're earning a certain amount. So, mm. like other ways in which you've probably found other ways to kind of start making some some extra income as well. Mm. So the first question was, how was the process? Yeah, what was your experience like, and did you have a certain strategy? For example, like you knew you had to have the money there, but did you try? And see other ways in which you can save it. Did you do it up or did mm. you just get it like that? Um, okay, so I think with the property strategy, um, I think so I bought like quite quite quickly, like three months after. Basically, I, I knew I wanted to have like 30 grand saved by my third year, but you can't buy a house if you don't have a job, regardless of how much money you got saved. Unless mm. your parents are backing you, you can't That's buy a, a house. a healthy stack to save after uni, man. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I was, to you. I was yeah, quite that, diligent that with it. Good. So I knew that, okay, cool. There's this principle that this woman taught me, like Aisha Fori. She was working in Goldman Sachs as an ED and she kind of left because she was making like two, three times her income from her from her property stuff. And she was telling me like, you, you have the three things you need to make money, time, knowledge, and what's the other one? Time, knowledge, money. Yeah, time, knowledge, and money. Yeah, because you can use money to make money. And I was like, okay, cool. Like the money, I'm still working on it. Cause even the 30 grand, it, it's still not, it still wasn't enough. When you have to put down a 25% deposit, yeah. it still wasn't enough. So I was like, okay, cool. The money I'm working on it, but I'm in my third year. Yeah, cool, whatever. But I know I'm on a track to get a two one. I'm not really interested in getting a first. I'd rather get a property and some extra experience and like build up myself mm-hmm. than like try and like go hard, go hard for a first. For what reason? I'm going to end up in the same job anyways. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to split my resources to kind of get into, to know like what, the property world is about so my second and third year like I was I was working for her basically I would help her at her events and stuff and so what that meant was I could go into these rooms with like like women like the, the one of her first events that we went to we weren't into like a 20 million pound house that was up for sale and they were like oh if you know anyone that could buy like who wants to i was like who do i know that wants to buy a 20 million like but that was the sort of rooms that i was in yeah. so i was speaking to these people um and yeah that's what i was spending my time doing just getting that knowledge and so when i decided to to get a property i i knew quite a bit already because you can decide you want to buy a property and then there's a whole bunch of learning that you need to do but i had already doing that even before i had the money ready mm. but i got a saucer 
um, from the Black Property Network. And he basically like found the property for me. Um, and then from there, like anytime I had a question, I would just go back to him and be like, you know, like, I don't know about this. Like, what do you think? And that was kind of how I I, I did it that way. It was, it, it wasn't actually that, that difficult of a process. The longest part was definitely saving the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding the property was hard, but then I got a saucer because I was like, this is too much to, to kind mm-hmm. of balance. So that was kind of how I went about it. It was long though. It was very, very long. Like I started in October and we didn't close till March. So for me, I thought it was just going to be, find the property and then yeah, that's it. But mm-hmm. after the, I found the property, it was like another four months. I was like, nah, this is long. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people underestimate how long it actually takes to buy a property. Yeah. And even if you're doing it yourself, like it's exhausting looking for properties, mm. crunching the numbers. Then you like you got to speak to a estate agent. If it's not an estate agent, then obviously you got to speak to developers and whatnot. Yeah, and deals um, fall through as well. I had a lender yeah. fall through. They were like, first, where did you get your money from? Your parents aren't backing you. Like, there's no way she saved this amount, blah, blah, blah. And like, we were just about to go ahead and then they were like, no, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, the process is long. Yeah. You had another question. Yeah. So yeah, definitely sounds like a very long process. Um, so yeah, my second question was t- touching on um, increasing your income, finding different oh, income right. streams as well. So you mentioned, which is really true, money, time, and also um, knowledge. Knowledge mm. for sure, because that's one thing we, we've noticed as well mm. that there's so many ways in which you can monetize knowledge or just being curious and being able to package information mm. in a sexy yeah. way. But anyways, um, so yeah, I know you kind of do something with like the resource bank as well. And you started YouTube as well. Mm. But kind of what was kind of your ways in thinking of how you can get extra income and stuff that probably come natural to you as well? Mm. Um, yeah, so I think one thing that someone really explained, like an analogy that someone used about multiple streams of income is like, if you think about a table, like a table, if it has one leg, like, okay, cool, like fairly stable, but a table that has like four legs, like how much more stable is that? compared to a table with one leg. That's how I kind of think about multiple streams of income. Like Mm -hmm. the kind of the more legs you have, like the more stable you're going to be. And I think one of my biggest goals even to now is to have like financial freedom. And I think that's very different to being financially comfortable because banking or corporate career will make you financially comfortable. Like you've got a good paycheck coming in and stuff, but it does not give you freedom. You can't say, you can't even say I want to work from this, this and that place without having to sign like so many different papers or them just saying no. You can't just say I want three months off and you know, whatever, like nah, like there's no financial freedom Mm. in, in, in a, in a corporate job, unless you have something else going on. On, on the side so I knew that okay cool I need to have other things going on like on the side um I didn't really know where my income streams were gonna come from but I was like okay cool I just want to do something YouTube I did know that I can make money from it so I kind of started YouTube and the good thing about YouTube is you build a community and when you build a community you can see where they need help because they keep asking you this certain yeah. question how do you do this how do you do this how do you do this and you realize actually there's an opportunity here if mm-hmm. you really want to know what a cover letter looks looks like, what a CV looks like, I can help you. But you can't, it's, it's a lot difficult to do when you don't have the community surrounding yeah, you on sure. asking you those questions. So YouTube definitely opened up that avenue. And so then I opened up the resource bank and then I exploited LinkedIn as well because I think, especially when you're when you're trying to go for multiple streams of income, you need to know what platforms your people are going to be on. Mm-hmm. For me, for people interested in banking, all of that stuff, LinkedIn was the place to mm. be. Like, it was the place to be. And so that's how I started marketing, like, the resource bank. And it, like, it blew up, like, on LinkedIn. Like, it did so well. I only expected to make a couple thousand. And we made, like, five figures in, like, three months because, like, 
this was something that people wanted. Yeah, and like, yeah. I would do market research as well. Like when I was, there was this other like big banking YouTuber um, and he was selling one cover letter for 30 pounds. Whereas I was like, oh, that's a bit expensive. Okay, I'm going to sell six cover letters for 30 pounds. Doesn't, mm. doesn't take anything yeah. away from me. Um, so yeah, and I really love selling things online as well because like, when I, a couple of times I've thought about doing like a physical product, but like the margins on physical products is yeah, just stress. Sure. You got to think about packaging yeah. and all of that stuff. Like I could sell when I when I set up the resource bank, it took two three orders and I made all the money back. And then yeah. like everything after that was like ninety percent margin. So mm. um, that was a really good thing. But I think one thing that I genuinely thought about was I can't have too many active streams of income. It's yeah. not going to work with this career. It's just not. I can't be doing you know, banking and then also be like packaging orders and then also be making YouTube videos and then also be trying to be a photographer. It's not going to work. I need mm. to think of passive income streams because my job already like, and that's that's like my priority, isn't it? Mm. So um, I was like, yeah, cool. I need passive income streams. So the resource bank was a passive income stream. YouTube is quite active, but I've been able to manage it in a way where I can, I can manage it to be honest. Like before I started, I made sure, before I started work, I made sure I was like two months ahead of content mm-hmm. so that if, 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 thing goes, if, if things go crazy and I can't record for a month, I've still got videos yeah, there to be sure. consistent yeah. on. Um, and I think that's kind of how it's been growing. And then with YouTube, like people will tell you, like, as soon as you have a, an audience there, you can monetize that in so many different ways. Sponsorships, mm. selling products, um, affiliate links. And so that's how most of it has come. But the resource bank and like my property as well has been important to me because I don't want to build so many income streams that rely on my face. Like YouTube yeah. relies on me to be there. Whereas if I'm sick for a year, God forbid, the property will still keep going. So the tenant's still going to need to be there. Mm. The resource bank, people will still see my old videos and then go click on it and buy it. And even when I haven't posted about it, it's still kept going. So I think passive income streams has been like a big thing that I've thought, thought about to just give me more financial freedom i would say yeah no i love that you, you covered quite a lot um because a lot of people struggle to make money like that's just that's just reality mm. people like i remember when i first clocked how to make money and i was like shit <laughs> <laughs> but just just to simplify it right this is simply it people have problems you see an opportunity to give them a solution mm. You're exchanging value, so you make sure you put a price on it so you can get some money from it. Simple as. So in your situation, you went through all the all the hardship. <laughs> you went through all the hardship in terms of finding a job. And then you also did really well in terms of keeping track of that, your cover letters, your CVs and stuff like that. And you also built a community. When you're kind of building a community, you kind of hear their pains mm. and you can start and it's very natural. You're not exploiting anything. You are actually freeing them of their pain. Do you know Literally, what I mean? And yeah. You've got to put a price on that because they're willing to pay for it just to kind of... And you also have testimonials to prove that. So you have mm. social proof as well. So just also knowing that you kind of are solving a problem. So like you said, doing some market research, figure out, listen to what other people are doing. And secondly, you also said finding the right platform. You have to fish where the fishes are. Like, you'll fall on deaf ears if there's no fish over there looking for your product. And also, we're in a digital gold rush right now. So, mm. even for, like, you can build something once and sell it X amount. Like, there's no limit to it, you know mm. what I mean? So, I feel like once you start kind of figuring out these things and start looking into different ways, like, what do you know that other people don't know? Mm. Like, what is your superpower? What is the specific knowledge you have? And if you don't have the specific knowledge now's a great time to start doing some research, for example. So I do marketing. I kind of knew that I needed kind of a way in. 
So I need, like, just to be in certain conversations because I, I swear to you, some of the conversations I've been in is like, how the hell am I here? But mm. it's because I managed to sell it in a way like, I do marketing, I'm young, I can help you. So even just saying to someone like, hey, I would love to, like, because when I was younger, I was doing so much free work for people, right? I'll just mm. be there just to just to be there and kind of get something out of it in the long run. But because mm. I'm helping out with either social media and everyone uses social media, like, legit, I was no different. I had no... X like tips and tricks that no one else could find, you know what mm, I mean? Mm. Like hashtags and shit like that. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like if and now obviously as I do it, do it more is much more different now. But mm. just getting started out, finding a skill, just trying different things. And mm. also you will never know what you love or what you like to do or how you can make something out of what you're currently doing if you don't start doing things. Mm. So it's definitely doing things as well that can help you. Um, get to that position. So I'm definitely with you. And also, like you said, finding other passive streams and also making sure you've got a solid stream first, you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you're paying 10% here, 10% there, 10% there, mm. you can't expect 100% back, sure. you know what I mean? So yeah. like you said, definitely doing it in stages, like you made sure you got your job and also just listen to find other ways in which you can yeah. offer think, value to people. Yeah, I really agree. And I think one thing that, that I like that you said as well is before I started, because I think sometimes you hear, okay, cool, Passive income, all right, cool, tomorrow I need to start my own business. Like, sometimes you got to chill and just think, okay, cool. Like, I was watching videos of passive income streams for, like, the past maybe, like, three years. And it's only really in the last year that I've been able to build them really quickly. So there yeah. is a point where you're just building knowledge. Like, yeah. don't go rushing into something and then you have a crap product and then you can only sell once because everyone buys it and then they're like, actually, no, we're not interested in it because that income stream won't last long. Yeah. So sometimes you do need a period of just learning. Like, that is definitely a stage before you go and implement. Just learn. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that the resource bank was going to come about, like, when I had when I had YouTube. I, I genuinely didn't. I was just genuinely putting out content and then I saw the opportunity and I took advantage of it. So I was say don't rush into it because it's better to get an income stream that you have and then it's consistent and you don't have to keep looking for new income streams all the time because you you have one that Mm -hmm. you can build out then try to rush into something and then like it doesn't work out or you like you have wasted energy and stuff like that so yeah and I think also what you were saying about like working for people for free that's literally what I was doing as well and that is exactly a prime example of exchanging your time for knowledge and that you can make money that way what did you call it sweat value or something yeah sweat equity sweat equity yeah no definitely and um also you got to find out what works for you so Mm. at first I was very much obsessed with getting my first property Mm. but kind of understanding that so just doing the numbers and mm. like I said, the digital gold rush in terms of build something once so X amount of times, like as many times as you want. And also just kind of weighing the numbers. So for example, like I could sell a product online, high ticket, which is say like £999, right, for mm. one person. And I could have a property and also get £999 rent, but also kind of just weighing up what's actually more practical like, for example, even in terms of rent, there's also, like, net profit. Do you know what I mean? But when it comes to, like, a digital product, like you said, you kind of, first three orders, you got your money back. So mm. it's finding what works for you because a lot of people try to look sexy. They mm. try to... I agree. They, like... try to, they try to get that Instagram fit with the key, the key. <laughs> and, the bottle, and the bottle of champagne. And, and it, it, honestly, like, hats off to those people that yeah. did it because, honestly, it is... It, like, you, you've showed us that it's not easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like, like I said, once I figured out how to make money, like there's so many different ways and there's so many different ways that it could work better for you um, yeah. rather than you chasing what everyone else has shown you on YouTube or whatever, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I like 100, 101% agree. Like 
as I always tell people, you can't make someone else's goals your goal. Yeah. Just because someone else said, oh, yeah, I bought my property at 23, you're like, oh, well, I'm 24. Like, well, how come yeah, I haven't done that sure. yet? If that's not in your interest, don't do it because... £40,000, you can put that into a business and mm-hmm. get that back out like in a year. I have to wait a very long time before I really see like the benefits mm-hmm. of, of, of this property. Like it's, it's going to be a while, but mm. it was something that I knew that I wanted to do because I wanted, I don't have like, no one's passing me on any properties, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to pass on my kids' properties. Yeah, so right. for me, it was really important, but yeah. don't make someone else's goals your goals. Like, especially on social media, like everyone tells you, yeah, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to get your house and you got to get an apartment. Like, nah, that's that's yeah. one way to just kill yourself. And you'll yeah. do it and you won't even be happy because you're like, then someone else would, would say, oh no, the best way is to, I don't know, get into crypto. Then you're like, oh man, I need to get into crypto. Like, yeah. listen, yeah. do what works for you, for man. Sure. Do what Definitely. works for you. In the day, social media, everyone's trying to flex, man. Yeah, yeah. everyone's trying to look as sexy as they do can. I mean? Don't blame them, but <laughs> just do what works for you, man. <laughs> like, honestly, you. like, you even mentioned kind of the emotional feeling and mm. like, reward you get from it which mm. is being able to hand something over and that's a great way to see it it's not because you're like yeah so I can flex and everyone say I got mine at 23 what about you do you know mm. what I'm saying so I feel like that's super important so what are you working on now or like what can our listeners kind of expect from you in the in the future Ooh, oh my god, this question it always it always gets me. Because people come in here, they don't want to plug themselves. Yeah, like, plug, plug, plug yourself. yourself like, what are you doing? Like, how can our listeners find you? What can they get involved in? Um, oh, I mean, I guess in terms of finding me, um, I think YouTube, Instagram, Lamsey Elizabeth. Um, on my YouTube channel, I'm kind of taking people through the process of me getting the property. So I vlogged, like, I recorded myself, like throughout the whole process because like you were saying I think when I would go on social media I'd see someone be like oh I just bought my first property but then it's like how though like what was that process actually like so I literally recorded my process from the first time I spoke to my first ever broker till um yeah till like the end basically so I've been sharing that to try and help as many people as possible and then also just trying to go into more depth in like the numbers and stuff and just just that in general and then just also other stuff if you're interested in banking as well also do banking content and just personal development content so yeah um i definitely hit up my youtube channel if you're interested in banking and you want to see because there are lots of stuff out there that will tell you what you should have on your cover letter and what you should have on your cv but you don't get as many stuff showing you this is what a successful cv looks like this is what a successful cover letter actually looks like um so that you can find that on the resource bank um that's always going to be there and then yeah on instagram is just kind of a bit of everything i'm just kind of just doing whatever lifestyle <laughs> yeah there you go lifestyle and then i think in terms of like the future and stuff I don't want to divulge too much, but mm. um, yeah, I'm definitely working on on a couple of things. I think something that I am quite passionate about, passionate about, is like this, like helping people who have corporate jobs have other have getting them to have if they want to to get them to have other things going on outside of it. Because I think banking can very much be the golden handcuffs where you kind of. Everyone goes in it, goes into it saying three years time, five years yeah. time, I'm gonna be out. And then it's yeah. like, yo, Get you're still in. there. And then yeah. it's like, well, I can't find anything else that's gonna pay me as much or whatever. And I think one thing that I noticed, I knew that before I was going in, and I was saying, like, when you're starting and you're working now 12 hours, it's very hard for you to find other things that you can pour your time into. But for me, I knew going into it, I need to build stuff so that when I want to leave, if I ever do want to leave, I have that option. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm very passionate about that. So if you are going into corporate and you know that that's something that you'd want to do in the future, then, yeah, definitely follow me and stuff and we'll have something for you. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, just some quick fire questions. 
What's the best advice you've ever received and what's the worst advice you've ever received? Oh my God, I hate questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do quick okay, time. Cool. I break quick what was the best <laughs> advice you'll give to our listeners? Not just about banking, just the best advice that something you practice that has really been able to help you. Um, every decision that you make, question every decision that you make and where it comes from because depending on what you're consuming, sometimes mm-hmm. that affects the decisions that you make and the goals that you have. Like all of a sudden you want to buy a property now, but is that just because you've seen people on Instagram and stuff? So every decision that you make, make sure it's for you because if you make a decision for you, it always works out for you. And that's what I've found for myself. I always base everything around my goals and I've made my best decisions because I've always thought about me. Love that. Worst advice you've ever received? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, cool. <laughs> no, no worries. What's the worst advice you ever received? Worst advice I've ever received, um, probably like something along just just putting my head down and doing the work. Because mm. there's so much to it. Like everyone works hard. Everyone works hard. Like like you work hard. I work hard. You work hard. Mm. Remy works hard. Our listeners work hard because they're trying to better themselves. But there's like you said, you just gotta play the game. Do you the know game what I think rigged. is crap? Sorry. Do you know what I think is crap that I always see? There's not no one gave it to me, but on social media, like, oh, um, d- like everything that's meant to be for you will be for you. Like, don't worry about it. Like it will all come to you. Yeah, I think that's crap. I, hate those I think that is so much crap. Yeah. But yeah that, when you were saying that, that just reminded me. Because you just be sitting on your ass thinking the universe is just gonna give it to you, but yeah. you have to demand it. Nah, do you know what I mean? I, I, I definitely agree in 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 manifesting and I'm an advocate of that. Yeah. But you have to you have to you know, work. take the steps to make it happen. No, definitely. Yeah. But even like, yeah, so when I said the game is rigged, you have to understand what game you're playing and how to play it best. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like even me, for example, just real life example, right now, so my, my marketing agency, right, we, <laughs> there, was, there was a time where I peeked my head through the curtain and I saw how others are doing it. And instead of me just churning tons of work and just doing sleepless amount of, of hours of, of work, you know what I mean? Seeing how other people are doing it, making 10 times more, mm. getting better results, getting mm. better clients. That's kind of how, it's just the whole idea of hustling smart, you know what mm. I mean? I kind of figured out, okay, cool. This is how these people are going on holiday and building millions like, worth of, of business, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So understand the game you're playing and try your very best, like you said, reaching out to people, mm-hmm. people who you aspire to be, understanding how they got to where they are. Because a lot of people say, yeah, man, I had to sacrifice this. And a lot of people have to sacrifice stuff, but you can sacrifice different stuff, right? Mm. So, like, don't don't listen to people thinking, yeah, like, wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> like, trust me, you just have to work hard, eat shit, stuff like that. Because mm. there's, there's definitely periods of that, but also understanding you can't do that for the rest of your life because you'll just burn out. Mm-hmm. You know and, I mean? and on that note, like as much as you're in your own lane, right, there's nothing wrong with comparing yourself to people. But don't compare yourself to people and use that as a benchmark, but compare yourself to people and identify what mistakes they've made mm-hmm. and then like use their like just use the lessons learned and apply that to your own journey. Yeah, man. Saying? Play play the game smart, man. Hustle yeah. smart. That's legit. Yeah. Everything we stand on. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all your knowledge and pleasure. advice. Um, before we end, we always end with a word, word of the week. the week. So what's your word of the week or what's your phrase of the week for our listeners going into this new week? Oh, I was not expecting this. Word or phrase? Whichever. Can we, I just keep throwing you on the spot, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, you could have told me. Get your mind thinking. 
Uh, What's something resonating with you a lot right now? Mm. Oh my god, like I can't think on the spot. Honestly, I don't know. Oh, no. Or it could be even something that you say all the time. Yeah, a mantra you practice. I can't come and kill myself. Fizz, listen, guys. <laughs> That's it. We're in a panoramic right now. You can't kill yourself. That's it, man. Make sure you're resting, mm-hmm. taking good care of yourself, your mental, your physical, uh-huh. your emotional. You know, this life is tough, but. <laughs> We can't kill ourselves. We're to Lavender, you know what I mean? That's it. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to all our lovely viewers. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, tell your peoples. Alex, any other things? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, share, comment, subscribe, drop us a DM, drop us an email, whatever. Make sure you hit up Lavender on YouTube, Instagram, um, Resource Bank as well. We'll include all the links and whatnot. But no, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. And also, we have so much, so many exciting things oh, coming as well. Gonna, so, going to announce it now or after? Uh, they'll, they'll see. They'll see in a bit. They'll yeah. see what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yes, people, Hustle Smart is very proud to announce that we'll be hosting our first ever masterclass, a brand in the market masterclass on Saturday, the 1st of May. We will be covering everything you need to know to grow your business online. Masterclass is going to be hosted by Shubs, a digital marketing specialist, Tiffany T, a branding strategist, and Brian Kofi Hollinsworth, a branding and social media consultant. You can get your tickets now via our website, hustlesmart.co.uk. Looking forward to seeing some of you there. But yeah, thank you guys once again, and always remember to focus on things that move the needle. Wow.